0: Our dear, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for this conference and for the ability to come and meet and share ideas. And uh, Lord, we know uh, that you want us to uh, not only share uh, gardening and food, but to share the gospel with the world around us. So Lord, just guide us and teach us in which way we should go. Uh, Be with all our endeavors. Um, May the goal be uh, to bring that last message of mercy to a sick and dying world. And we praise your name for what you're doing and what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to just kind of start out with a little bit of, um, uh, just a little history of why I uh, have gotten so into food packaging and just kind of a a, uh, passion of mine. For a little while um, and so kale chips wheatgrass, fruit leather and other fun farming projects uh, who here is doing some sort of value-added processing all right great great so I'll try to leave some time at the end that we can share a little bit if I can get through um, all the, the different slides that I have here why farm why food you know I think a lot of us realize why that is important Um, But really, the ultimate goal is not just to make money, right? The ultimate goal uh, ultimately is to share the health message, which really is that right arm of the gospel, reaching out to uh, people around us. And so um, I really kind of got serious about this when I stepped into a church. I was actually giving a Battlefield Hollywood presentation uh, in Arizona, and the host that I was staying with, said, hey, let's go to this church for Sabbath. There's this guy, Rico Hill. How many of you heard of Rico Hill? All right. Um, The Beehive Ministry. I'd never heard of this gentleman before. I sat down, me and my friend and my wife. I think we were the only white people in the church. It was uh, a very lively service and was a lot of energy in the room. And Rico has a lot of energy and he he speaks with passion and with love. And if you want somebody to come and share uh, the uh, health message? He has a whole series called The Great Food Controversy. And it's incredible. I mean, lining up the, the whole great controversy with the issues in food today and farming and, and all that. And at the end of his presentation, he read this quote here from the chapter The Knowledge of Health Principles from Volume 7 of the Testimonies uh, for the Church, uh, page 62. And this just kind of hit me square between the eyes. We have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of the medical missionary work. And I was like, "Wow, really?" She said that. Um, the world is a lazar house filled with victims of both physical and spiritual disease. Everyone, uh, everywhere, people are perishing for lack of knowledge of the truths that have been committed to us. The members of the church are in need of an awakening that they may realize their responsibility to impart these truths. And the entire congregation went down for the altar call. You know, his, 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 his altar call was basically, are you going to take hold of the medical missionary work? In some way, I mean, it doesn't mean you have to be a doctor or a nurse, right? So the carrot hot dog um, is something that I also learned there at camp meeting, Uh, The lady right next to me was doing a soft serve vegan soft serve, and she had this vegan restaurant. And she told me that her best-selling item on her menu at her vegan restaurant in Fairfield was a carrot hot dog. To which I thought, that sounds disgusting. I I don't, I don't think I would order that if I came to your restaurant. And so that just kind of was there for a year. And the next year, she made me one, and I was instantly hooked. And I was like, what? This is how 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 can I mean I just couldn't fathom a carrot really tasting anything other than a cooked carrot which is just I don't like cooked carrots. I love carrots, but I don't like cooked carrots. So uh without further ado here here's here's the recipe. I wanted to just give this out. This is what we we did before we came here. Oh my um <laughs> <laughs> So if you uh you steam about 50, 60 carrots, and this, the time's different. I'm doing 120 to 130 carrots in my big steamer at a time, so it takes me about 22 minutes to get them. You wanna steam them down to the softness that you initially desire. Barbecuing them later is not gonna soften them any, any further. It's just gonna warm them up. So get them down to a nice softness that you like, uh, and then drop them in this marinade of four cups of water, quarter cup of avocado oil, half a cup of liquid smoke, and we're buying liquid smoke from Living Nutritionals. Uh, there's a website that's making it out of mesquite wood, and it's, it's an actual just smoky water. It's uh, not, not MSG or something. Um, Three quarter cup of molasses. A cup and a quarter of coconut aminos. And use coconut aminos, don't use brag. If you use brag, it's gonna be way too salty. So this, is, this, is, this whole recipe is designed around uh, coconut aminos. You can get it at your health food store, you can, yeah, coconut aminos. Yeah, and it, 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 I actually kind of have gravitated to it more, it's, it's a little more savory, it has a little sweetness to it, um, and, and I've heard some, some ill reports of, of the brag aminos the way, they, the way they make that, so I'm not, I haven't done the full research on that yet, so, so look into that some more. Uh, a quarter cup of honey, oh, half a cup of fresh lemon juice, uh, four tablespoons—that's a quarter cup of sea salt—and ten cloves of crushed garlic, and then drop all those carrots in that marinade for at least 48 hours, um, if not longer. And and then you're ready to pull them out and 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 marinate those. Um, so I'm leaving it in the fridge, uh, but there's enough salt and lemon in there. Like you know, it, it's 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 pretty pretty safe. Uh, but I I keep it in the fridge. In Romans 12:2, Paul tells us to not be conformed, right, to the things of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's a transformation of the mind that needs to take place, and we know that the mind is synonymous with the heart, right? And um, so last year's conference title was Something Better, right? And it came from this quote here, where it says something better. This is taken from the book uh, Education, page 296. Something better is the watchword of true education, the law of all true living. Whatever Christ asks us to renounce, he offers in its stand something better. Now, I believe we've come to a time when every Adventist needs to lay down the Frankenlink. All right? And, and, and pick up something better. And really, like for me, I'm talking to myself. I loved the Franken-Link. And, and, you know, grew up eating them, right? At camp meeting there, the hot dog stand is right next to me. And I have been tempted every year to get one of those. But I'm like, I can't get one of those. I'm the guy selling the wheatgrass, you know? <laughs> and, and just my position there has actually helped me to stay away from that that temptation. But really, I mean, this is really, you know, what God is offering. He's offering, if he asks us to renounce something, in its day, he, he offers us something better. And really, a carrot, I mean, really, it's better, right? I mean, I've heard even people say that that these veg, a lot of these veggie dogs, uh, uh, you know, they're using GMO soy and this and that, and they're so processed that in the end, it, it, for your body to digest that, it, it's, it's harder than if you just ate a real hot dog. So, Um, but this is a plate that we serve at farmer's market and there in Moab um, uh, people are it's starting to pick up steam people are writing articles in the local paper and and it seems like every week someone else comes by the booth and is like all right I want to try this care hot dog I've been hearing about and we'll have you know single people come and and, and, or a couple, and they'll buy a single dog, and they'll be like, we just want to try it, and they take a bite, turn right around, yeah, we'll take two more, or whatever, you know. <laughs> it's how it's been going. Um, the, uh, the, actually, there was two guys, I'll tell you a funny story. Two guys showed up, and they're like, yeah, we'll try one of your hot dogs. And, and I'm like, all right, what do you want on it? And they're like, whatever you think is good. And so I'm like, all right, I put everything on it, you know? So I put everything on it, gave it to them. They turned around and they ate it. Yeah, we'll take another one. You know, they turned around, we'll take two more. And they sat there and ate four hot dogs, the two of them. And then they said, you know, we're from Chicago and you would never put ketchup on a hot dog, you know? Just mustard. But that was really good, you know? So here's two guys from Chicago eating street hot dogs and they they thought it was good. So... um, you know, you take one of the most unhealthy American foods, right? And you try to do something better with it. And we've all heard uh, the psalmist, right? Oh, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So the Lord is inviting us, right, to step out in faith and to try him and to taste and see if, if he's good and, and his methods and his methodology. You've heard it said, right? The way to a man's heart is through his stomach, right? I mean, that's literally true. We know that from the, from the very beginning. Satan knows that, right? Um, and he's trying to affect us. That's whole, Rico's whole premise through his whole great food controversy is that Satan is literally trying to kill you with your food, with what you're eating. Um, here we are uh, making buns at, at home. We, we make all our own homemade buns. Um, when we do it at our farm, local farmer's market, um, the kids uh, got to get some experience welding and, and building. We built the little cart that you see out there a couple of years ago. Um, this is uh, Brian's oldest son, Dublin. He, he's living in the area now, working as a mechanic at the local airport. And so we had a lot of fun pulling this old barrel out of the trash and making something out of it, basically. But, you know, if you really look at um, the route, of the issue and and hear the whole story. This is a story of our food, right? I mean, the fall of man, food. Um, The plan of salvation, food, right? We're talking about the right hand of the gospel, this connection with the third angel's message. Um, Even if you look at Adam, Adama, Means literally earthling right he was made from the earth and our bodies need to match that mineral proportion that is the earth this is this is by design Um, it's a fundamental principle that by beholding we become changed right you've heard you are what you eat you know and what you eat you are so every every thing that we take into our being not just through our through our mouths right through our eyes through our ears these things are changing us, and we are becoming what we are beholding. So, if we're not beholding Christ, if we're not beholding His plan and His uh, His word and everything, then you know what are we looking at? What are we focusing on? That was our That was our kind of underlying principle when we were in all our Battlefield Hollywood presentations. Was um, you know people say, Oh, you know, I, I watch horror movies, but I'm not am not going to become a killer, you know. But you know, how do you really think about your brother, you know? Um, Is that really beneficial to you? We know that God placed Adam and Eve in a garden, and God created everything by speaking it into existence, but when he came to the garden, what did he do? Did he just speak it into existence? What's the Bible say? He planted planted it, right? The Bible says, and God planted a garden eastward in Eden. So God is really, God's a farmer. I mean, he got down, and he, I don't know how he did it, but... It says he planted. He didn't just go, voila, and there it was. He intimately uh, was involved in that process, and he put Adam and Eve in there. And the translations that we have, the, the job that they were given, says to dress and to keep, right? But if you really look up the, the original words, uh, there's the uh, Strong's numbers, the original Hebrew. Abed and Shemar really are better translated as to serve and preserve. They were called to serve and preserve the garden. And in serving and preserving the garden, they would learn better how to serve and preserve those around them. I mean, it was God's plan that they would learn of God and his character and how he set up this garden, and then leave the garden and start other gardens of Eden. That was the original model, right? And basically still is. So um, from First Bible Commentary, page 1112, Ellen White writes, Men were to cooperate with God in restoring the diseased land to health, that it might be a praise and a glory to His name. That's the ultimate goal with what we're doing with anything agriculture, right? It's to bring glory to God. And as the land they possessed would, if managed with skill and earnestness, produce its treasures, so their hearts, if controlled by God, would reflect His character. Constant... uh, uh, a synonymous um, parable of the heart and the soil, soul winning, farming. It's a great analogy for us as we learn. The Bible also tells us that ye are the salt of the earth, right? And if the lo- salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing. It's henceforth cast down to the road, trampled under the feet of men. And I, I mean, I read that and thought nothing. How does salt lose its savor? Like, what do you mean? It's not salty anymore? But after meeting Lynn and understanding this thing about the ocean and that there's these 92 minerals in the ocean, I really believe the savor part of the salt are the mineral, is the mineral content there. And if you remove all that, you have a poison. Straight sodium chloride put into your, into your veins basically through the, the process of eating. Your body now has to rob 92 minerals from your tissues to bring homeostasis back into the blood. That's, you know the reason eating just regular old morton's you know or whatever salt is is not a good thing. So, what does salt have, right? It has a flavor. There's the savor, the 92 minerals and it was used for preservation. I mean, this was what this was the original refrigerator was salt. Right? I mean, you pack things in salt, you you make a salt brine um, you create an environment for the beneficial bacteria to thrive and all the spoiling bacteria to die off. And, and we'll talk about that making sauerkraut here. Um, this is, uh, this is the, the, the weight ratio here that, that we've been using. Uh, one and three quarter pounds of cabbage to one tablespoon of salt. It's not a lot of salt, but just a little bit. And you don't need to add any water when you make sauerkraut. You just shred up the cabbage. We pack it into crocks like you see there in the back. And uh, mix in the salt. Sometimes we'll, we'll we'll do it plain. Sometimes we'll just mix in some caraway. We've done red cabbage. We've ad- done beets. We've done all the vegetables out of the garden. You can make a salt brine and and pour them over your veggies. And there's tons of re- tons of uh, uh, resources online if you just look up um, lacto acid fermentation is what it's referred to as. So. This is where the bacteria that are naturally in the cabbage, on the cabbage, are consuming the carbohydrates there and creating enzymes and actually increasing the vitamin C. So there's maritime records proving uh, captains that demanded every single crew member on their ship eat from the sauerkraut barrel. I don't care if you don't like sauerkraut, eat the sauerkraut. They would make them eat it all the way down to the last. They would be drinking the brine at the last. And there's a lot of companies that are actually now pressing the brine and, and selling sauerkraut brine as a, as a gut shot, they're calling it. And you just, just an ounce of it. Um, there's a, a few companies that I've come across, one down uh, uh, by Santa Cruz there in Watsonville. Um, and they have a number of gut shots, and it's a 10-ounce bottle, and you just take a little one-ounce shot, and you get this probiotic, uh, basically within you know, we're letting it sit in the in the crock for uh, six weeks or so. And within three weeks, you have this whole slew of, of bacteria that have kind of all started up. But then within three weeks, it's predominantly lactobacillus plantarum bacteria. That's the one that will make it through your, your uh, stomach acid and into your gut. And you need lactobacillus plantarum bacteria shoulder to um, shoulder lining your gut. And we have gone away from these types of foods and we've Everybody's gravitated to just basically vinegar for that craving of a sour a condiment, uh, a pickle, uh, these sorts of things. But the way it used to be done was, was actually highly beneficial. Another great quote from Spirit of Prophecy here. Again and again, I have been instructed that the medical, medical missionary work is to bear the same relation to the work of the third angel's message that the arm and hand bear to the body. Under the direction of the divine head, they are to work unitedly in preparing the way of the coming of Christ. The right arm of the body of truth is to be constantly active, constantly at work, and God will strengthen it. But it is not to be made the body. At the same time, the body is not to say to the arm, I have no need of thee. The body has need of the arm in order to do active, aggressive work. Right? Can you imagine going around just trying to do everything you did with just one arm? It'd be difficult. Both have their appointed work, and each will suffer great loss if worked independently. So our endeavor here with, with all, I mean, we're just starting out. These, this is not the final labeling or any, anything here. We just did a class at the beginning of the year and put all this product together. And in the, in the, old, the end, end goal is how can we use this? as a means of sharing the gospel. You know, we got all this real estate, right? We could put a Bible verse on the bottom of this package. You could tuck little things inside, you know? We could custom make our own little oxygen absorbers with Bible verses on it. I don't know. You know, there's, uh, there's, the sky's the limit, right, with labeling. I mean, you could pack that label with information and QR codes to links to this and that. And so we're uh, looking at that. But look at this quote here from Councils on Diets and Foods, page 263. But more important still is the art of preparing food so that it is both healthful and appetizing. This art, I love how she calls it an art, right? This art should be regarded as the most valuable of all the arts. Wow. It should receive more attention. For in order to make good blood, the system requires good food. The foundation of which keeps people in health is the medical missionary work of good cooking. So if you're a cook, if you cook at home, you're a medical missionary, right? You're a medical missionary to your, to your family. You're a medical missionary to those who come and eat at your table. And we're instructed to have restaurants and outposts, right? And, you know, a restaurant's hard to do. Um, so... Think outside the box, you know? Maybe brick and mortar isn't the best option for that. Get a trailer. We, we I've been talking about this carrot hot dog thing for a while and a neighbor who's not even Adventist, she's hippie with dreadlocks and mm-hmm. and, and moved there to that valley because when they came to Castle Valley, the school was just 1970, they were just starting out. They, they They pulled onto the campus looking around for property. They were driving all over the country looking for property. And they came on the campus and there was this big table of food spread out. They were having this big meal. Maybe it was Sabbath. I don't, I, I don't know. She didn't say it. But they walked up and they went, well, what's this? And they went, oh, welcome. We've prepared a place for you. Oh, awesome. And they sat them down and they fed them a meal. Wow. And they said, we're moving here. Because that's there. And they moved to the valley. And she's been intimately involved with the school. She comes over all the time. And, you know, there's a, there's, there's a, She's there for us, and we're there for her. You know, there's a lot that, that we can learn um, in, in sharing with her. But anyway, she's been hearing us talking about this carrot hot dog and everything. She's like, one day I was over there helping her mow her, her front lawn, and she's got a nine-hour mowing job in her yard and um, each week. And um, she, goes, she goes, hey, I've been hearing you talk about this carrot hot dog. Do you want that little trailer? And it was the little antique trailer that they moved to the property on and lived in when they first moved there. And it's it's nothing to, to be, you know, it's gutted and it's old, and but it's not all banged up. I mean, it's a solid little trailer. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. She's like, if you just clean it out, you can have it. And so when we get back um, from this trip, that's we're going to go over there and get that thing and start here, um, this, this the end of the winter here, starting to remodel that. And, you know, food trucks, right? We should be the people of food trucks. Really. I mean, how, how do we get the message out there I mean this is a, a great way to do it meeting people getting a message to them right getting to their heart through the stomach I mean is 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 a great method um, this is a picture just of our, our two acre market garden here 10,000 bulbs or so of garlic and uh, we've got uh, 11 different plots in this two acres there's a half acre uh, greenhouse on this side we have an acre of asparagus up across the road here with another acre that we we expanded into. And then there's this is a hundred acre pivot field in the back that the pivot broke the year before I came. And so it's been fallow for a number of years and we're looking at what we can do there. Um, But our our whole goal there is really to grow the most nutrient dense food that we possibly can. So we're constantly taking soil samples and leaf analysis and um, trying to better the soil and make more grow more nutritious food. I mean that's that's really the goal and and the end goal with this I was thinking it would be really nice like we we put nutrient dense foods on the label to actually have on the back what was the bricks of this pear. You know, what was the actual value and and start being transparent about that. Put some charts on here of, you know, that comparison like Lynn was showing how, you know, you have to eat 40 apples, 40 some apples to get the same nutrient value as one apple from 1950. I mean, we are, in a, we are literally in a full stomach starvation situation in this country. Everyone's stomach is full and we're all starving. We're starving of nutrients. We're starving of vitamins, minerals, and the things that are essential to our health and to our life. So we're um, doing a full veganic uh, fertilizing regimen using this is um, hammer milled wheat we're using as a fertilizer. Uh, We use seaweed meal and uh, rock dust like uh, rock phosphate and and azomite. And um, this is our starts house where we start all our tomatoes and everything. And here's in the greenhouse planting our tomatoes um, last year. And, you know, just trying to do uh, the best we can and grow the most nutritious food we can, taking uh, bricks uh, of, of the fruit and keeping records of that. Cause what I noticed before getting there, no one had really kept any records of anything, you know, like um, so really trying to make a model for that. And then of course, involving the students in that process and trying to give them more and more ownership of the farm and, and make them not feel like they're just, you know, laborers there uh, and, and we're all, you know, okay, you guys work the farm. So, I mean, we're all wanting to come down there. We're really trying to get all the faculty to come down and to work with our students um, on the farm and to make space for that. From the book Education, page 215, the youth need to be taught that life means earnest work, right? I mean, oftentimes we don't know how to work. I mean, I'm, I'm chief, lazy man. Like I grew up, I did not know how to work. And my dad was laughing. I was telling him about some of this stuff, and he's just laughing. Why are you laughing? Like, oh, it's funny hearing you say this because he knows how <laughs> lazy I was when I was a kid. He could not get me to do any work, you know. And the, my my younger brother learned it. I just wanted to go and run down to the river and ride my skateboard or whatever, you know. So, um, but you know, learning that 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 earnest work and responsibility, caretaking. Um, they need a training that will make them practical, right? We need a practical training. Men and women who can cope with emergencies because that's what it comes down to. I mean, we know this is all going to come to a screeching halt here in a minute and we're all going to be stuck wherever we're at. And what are you going to do with what you have in your pocket? I mean, that's that's literally what's going to happen, right? They should be taught that the discipline of systematic, well-regulated labor is essential, not only as a safeguard against the vicissitudes of life, but as an aid to all-around development. Um, another thing that uh, we've been processing uh, there at the in the kitchen is, is kale chips. Kale chips are really easy to do. How many of you have made kale chips? All right, good. So we're all kale chip makers, right? You just make up a thick smoothie of anything, pour it over kale and, and dehydrate it um we actually we 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 ran out at GYC but we had a mix we had a salad that we made at our Christmas party and um had a really good garlicky lemon dressing on it and it had nuts and and cranberries and we put it through the freeze dryer and it gave us a whole idea let's make a whole line of trail mix and we'll call it kale mix and and have this you know backpacking food uh that that we're in backpacking country our local there's a there's a a guy that owns a kind of a secondhand um, outfitter store in town called gear trader. And he's like, I could set up a stand of cliff bars and I could sell thousands of cliff bars. I don't want to sell cliff bars. He's all, but if you come with something like this, he's all put up a stand. I'll sell anything you bring. It's local. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, we have this, this million and a half tourists coming through Moab every year, going out, hiking, biking, backpacking, jeeping. So, um, we, we know just from, just from sharing some of these with people in town, they're like, yeah, bring it, bring it, you know. So um, we've gotten a good response so far. Um, gives our students opportunity to do graphic design. You know, how do you come up with a label? What do you need to put on that label? There's all these problems now that you face in coming to packaging something, you know. Um, efficiency, how do you make this more efficient? How do you make this more streamlined? Because doing everything by hand takes time, right? And eventually you're gonna to have to go to some sort of mechanism if you're gonna, if you're gonna really upscale. And so we're, we're literally in just the testing, research phase of all this. Um, but there's times when we're just, you know, the asparagus starts coming and it's always like, oh boy, here it comes, and we gotta get out there every other day and pick that whole field, that whole acre, 1.1 acres. Otherwise it gets beyond us and then, now we gotta mow it down and reset. And, and you waste a bunch, you know, there's a bunch of waste there, and so, um, uh, one thing we started doing was pickling the asparagus, and doing a brine and, and pickling it. And I can't wait. We didn't have the freeze dryer. The, the asparagus ends uh, first or second week of June, and we didn't get our freeze dryer till the end of the summer. So I can't wait till this next uh, season we get to try uh, freeze drying some asparagus. Because that's the great thing about a freeze dryer is you can do things that you wouldn't normally um, dehydrate. We have an orchard that's got about 600 trees in it, and it's. Uh, in that real in-between size where it's it's really too big for a personal orchard, and it's not big enough to be anything commercial, and so it makes it it makes it very difficult. We're we're uh, uh, it took us we we the first year I was there we did a thing called um, D60X Daystar 60 Minutes Extreme Workforce the whole group everyone from the president down. We would go into the orchard, and for an hour a day, we would prune, and we got it pruned. We we did it in the time that we needed to get it done, and um, we had a bumper year, a bumper crop that year. It's kind of hit or miss. That sometimes we get late frost, and we lose pretty much everything. Um, so orchards are are hard in our in our area, but when we have a ton, what do we do? Well, we we freeze it and get it ready to go into the freeze dryer we make fruit leather. We've been making lots of fruit leather um, where we're just blending it up. We're adding nothing to it. Blend it up with the peeling, you know, throw an apple in there with the peaches just for a little pectin so it doesn't crack out as much and then um, dehydrate it. And we've calculated we're, we're basically nearly doubling the value of the peach as it was fresh selling it as a fruit leather. And you're And you're locking it in, you know, a shelf life that you have for uh, a while, you know, number of months after that. Uh, the first year I was there, I was taking wheelbarrows of heirloom tomatoes, the compost pile, you know, had cracks in them, little blemishes, um, the seconds bins that just people, you know, didn't buy all the seconds. And I was like, man, what do we do with these heirloom tomatoes? And so I started dehydrating them and making these really chewy, uh, my wife calls it jerky, uh, uh has a jerky type texture to it. And they're really flavorful because our heirlooms are really, really good heirlooms. And so, um, you know, trying to find something to do with, with all the tomatoes. Um, we're experimenting <laughs> with uh, labeling here. And I, and I calculated with the tomatoes, we are taking, I have just two little, two little Excaliburs I did the calculation with. We, we've now bought a 24 rack, little glass door um, dehydrator as well. But through the two excalibers. Um, nine trays in there, I could fit um, about 20 pounds of tomatoes in each one. So I would take 60 pounds of seconds tomatoes, lop off and throw away 20 pounds, and then the remainder 40 pounds, put in these two dehydrators, and sell that um, dehydrated fruit for the cost of the 60 pounds of seconds at the seconds price. Mm -hmm. So basically we just kind of put a pause on the situation and now it's got a shelf life, and we can roll those tomatoes out over a little bit when you know, they're only gonna be good for about a week. If no one buys them, you know, you're throwing them out. So you know, our, our whole endeavor really is to, to be less wasteful on the farm um, with our, our uh, food preservation and provide things for the backpacking trip and the other camp trips that our students go on, you know, good healthy uh, food that they can take on, on, those, on those trips. Um, another thing that was there when I got there was this third acre. It's not very big. It's only about 27 rows or a little more than 100 feet long of lavender. And, and there's about 17 or 18 different varieties of lavender growing there. And their plan was to just, this was a seed uh, bed that they were then going to propagate into a 20-acre field right next to this and do 20 acres of lavender. But uh, that farm manager and his family and all, the, everybody that was sent, that was uh, involved in this project, moved on. And so when I got there, I mean, they're a nice, big, healthy bushes and the irrigation broke the first year I was there. And this field didn't get watered for three years. We just turned it on last year for the first time. And I thought, oh man, we're going to, I was so surprised at how well those plants bounced back. And I mean, we lost some that we definitely had some die off here and there, but they, they uh, really took off. And, and at one point the farm manager that was there when i was there first came he was like i don't know what to do with this lavender i'm just gonna i'm just gonna rip it out or do something else I'm like no no, don't rip it out and there were boxes of lavender all over campus like in different attics and this and they'd tried bundling it and selling it and you know it wasn't really working out so they didn't know what to do with it so i i don't know what to do with it well i let's just, what do we how do you make lavender essential oil you know so i just did a little research and went online and hey look i can get the this little glass chemistry set distiller, same one over here in the States, it's 400 bucks, I can get it straight from China for 118, free shipping. And so I've I bought a couple of those now and just that's one of them there over at our booth you can um, check out later. And we just slowly through the winter we just kinda put the lavender through it and it's um, the kids get an opportunity to uh, see that process and how that works, a very simple process boiling the water Water's boiling at 212. The oil in the lavender is vaporizing at 190, and so the steam picks up the oil and comes over into the condenser. All that oil and water recondenses as you're running cool water through that condenser uh, down into a, what's called a separatory funnel, and you gather this oil. And, and, and lavender is actually a very high-producing uh, plant in comparison to other plants. We're getting anywhere from a third to a full ounce of oil out of a pound of flour. So there's a lot of oil in the lavender flower. Whereas like, you know, you put juniper in there and I mean, literally there's a little skim of oil on the top, you know, and and mint. I mean, it's almost, it's not even a full layer. It's just a little rim inside the glass and you have to do it six times to fill one little bottle that's like a dram, you know? and so we're, we're looking at building some distillers, just welding up our own you know, stainless steel uh, distillers to kind of streamline this process and, and make it a little bit more efficient. But I did some research on lavender. I didn't know anything about lavender. And it's known as the mother of all essential oils. Um, if in doubt, use lavender, is what one website said. And uh, I just put together here 67... Uh, uh, uses and I won't belabor and read all this, but you guys can get the slides um, from me later or off the, the website from Ad Agra. Uh, but sore muscles, uh, bug and insect bite, minor minor burns, cuts and scrapes. It's an it's an antiseptic. I actually put my finger in the chop saw one day in the shop and like you know it's a grinder blade took a notch out of my finger almost to the bone. And I was like, oh, and I, I read this about lavender. All right, I'll try it. And I'm like, Ugh. and oh, it was soothing. Mm. I sat there and just ran lavender oil and blood. And la- I was like, oh, I mean, it took the throbbing away. And, and I, was, I was amazed, you know, and I, I put a little sliver of aloe vera and I just wrapped that up. It never got tinder around it. And I was amazed at how quickly it healed up. So we have a number of bottles of, of lavender in, in a little um, 10 mil uh, essential oil bottle over there. And so a uh, good thing to have in your, in your medicine cabinet. Um, rash and itching, um, lack of sleep, motion sickness, chapped lips, sinus congestion, dry skin, uh, anxiety and fears, it's very calming, you know, just to, just to breathe it. Um, tension, aches and pains, tired, sore, feet, scar reduction, Block tear ducts, natural deodorant, stop minor bleeding, um, post waxing and hair removal, earache, fever, acne, uh, nosebleed, hay fever, cold sore, sunburn relief, leg cramps, sadness, headache, diaper rash, relief stress, repel moths and insects. Um, the uh, and actually mice don't like lavender. You put bundles of, of lavender around, and they they don't like to they don't like the smell of it for whatever reason. Um, nail cuticle treatment, dandruff, menstrual cramps, natural perfume, smelly feet, natural detangler, sore throat, um, natural body cleanser, uh, reduces stress at work, crying. I thought that was kind of funny. So I put that in there. Uh, <laughs> gas and flagulence, poison oak and ivy, tea, uh, teething pain, stretch marks, wrinkles, addictions, poor concentration and focus, hair hair care, blister. Um, And the list goes on, ringworm, respiratory relief, teeth grinding, shingle relief, Um, you can scent dried or silk flowers with it, Uh, make a better atmosphere in your office, Um, natural dryer sheet, um, carpet refresher, uh, refreshing potpourri, Um, calm and anxious dog, give the gift of lavender, Uh, So this is our little distiller here, and and, uh, this is the oil that's building up on the top. The water will flow through the bottom and then overflow in this tube here, so the level never goes above this breather tube here, and the oil just keeps building up and building up until you fill this funnel, and then you can uh, separate oil from water. It's a very simple process, similar to, um, uh, basically, that's the way they make all essential oils is a steam distillation type process. So we've had fun with, with the lavender, and we've sold every drop every year. So uh, it's not sitting around anymore. You know, we've done something with it, created a shelf life for it, and and it uh, is is helping us out. So here's here's the freeze dryer that we ended up getting um, from Harvest Right, and I'm not paid by them at all. I'm just this is just what we're using, so I'm just here mentioning it. And I took these photos off their website. Um, it, it's a pretty decent unit. They're still in the beginning phases. They've already made improvements from when we just purchased ours six months ago. So um, if you're looking at getting one of these, this is a, 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 a good starting point. I mean, we got it just as an experimental thing. We're not, this is not our end-all, be-all uh, process. Uh, we're, we're looking at stepping it up as well. And on their website here, it says, why freeze-dry um, taste Flavor and freshness—it is, is really interesting. Like the bananas, you eat a piece of banana, and once it kind of hydrates in your mouth, it just tastes like you ate a bite of banana. I mean, it's different than that flavor you get from a dried banana, you know. Um, and you and you can do things that you wouldn't normally dehydrate, like zucchini and you know different vegetables and things, and not put anything on them. I mean, if they're good tasting, you know, zucchini and asparagus. Our asparagus is so sweet. I've never eaten raw asparagus. I eat it tons. I eat raw all the time now when I'm out there picking it. I'm just eating it. It's so sweet and so good. Um, it maintains uh, 97% of the nutritional value, freeze drying, they're claiming here. So um, it's a good way to, uh, to save. And you got a shelf life of, if you put it in a Mylar bag and don't let any light in the package like this here. You could put this in your shelf and give it to your grandkids 25 years later. If the, I don't think we'll be here 25 years from now, but um, it's a good way to, to uh, preserve food. So here, their, co- their prices have come down. Their, their medium-sized unit is about $2,400. Um, um, it will fit about 7 to 10 pounds of food, which isn't a whole lot. Um, we bought this larger one here. It's now down to 3200 It was like almost 38 when we first bought it and he gave us a discount and we bought it for 35 and then paid an additional 350 for the pump where it's included here so you have an oil pump included in that price for 3200 and then we uh we bought this oil free pump and when we bought it it was 1500 bucks and it's now down to to uh 12.95 there because if with the oil pump you got to change the oil or filter the oil every batch and it's just kind of a messy job i mean i've got this whole greasy area over there by the pump where i'm messing with the oil because um, our actually our oilless pump uh had a failure and we had to send it back so they're working on that as we speak uh, but it's pretty much this unit that we have has been running 24 7 since we purchased it at the end of the summer we just keep putting another batch through it uh, it takes anywhere from 30 to 50 hours depending on how much water is in the food and basically there's little heater plates underneath each of these. And the way it works is it's a freezer and it freezes the chamber for about 10 hours and brings the temperature down to negative 40. And then it kicks on a vacuum pump and draws a vacuum on the, on the chamber. And then these heater plates kick on underneath the trays and thaw the food and the ice sublimates. It goes from ice to, um, um, straight to vapor. It skips the, the water stage and then it condenses Instantly on the walls of the chamber. So, in the end, you have all the water frozen on the inside of the chamber, and the food is, is completely dry when you, when you pull it out. And you need to package it up as quickly as possible and seal it because it's like a sponge just sitting there. I mean, you, you walk away for an hour or two, and you come back, and you're like, oh, it's all squishy. You know, it's like a marshmallow. Um, the great thing about the freeze drying process is you can get a queue started. And we have a number of freezers in the calf that we just load up, and, and this is our lineup that's slowly making its way through the, the freeze dryer. So you can just freeze dry or uh, freeze everything in bags, and then you know later get it into the into the freeze dryer. Um, when we pulled out all our pepper plants after they froze, there was enough, You know they got wrinkly a little bit, and they're not anything we can sell. But we can save what was otherwise going to the compost pile right here. And put it through our freeze dryer, and, and if you guys haven't tried them yet, I think they have some samples over there as well. But the the pepper chips are are one of our uh, are one of our um, I guess you know people are liking this out of out of all the stuff we're doing. You dip it in some hummus, and it's crunchy like a chip, so you have that texture. But then again, it's just it's just a pepper. It's not a it's not processed in any way other than freeze drying it. We had so much okra, red velvet okra. How many of you had red velvet okra? Yeah, okay, a few of you. Of course, all the people from Daystar, they're raising their hands there. <laughs> okay. um, this is a, a, an okra seed that uh, Brian Dunn had grown for Baker Creek Seeds when he was in uh, Tennessee. He grew the the seed for their, this last year's catalog, so all the seed that you bought for uh, um, red velvet okra was, was seed that Brian had grown and so he came with a whole bag of, of the seed and he put in a few rows and man these plants were prolific they did, they did really well I mean they were just pumping out okra and Flora this neighbor I was telling you about she was over and she's like oh you're growing okra and she starts snapping them off and eating them raw and I was like I don't like okra you know it's like oh it's slimy thing you know like and I go is that good like it's amazing it's amazing, raw, it really is. And um, I mean just the symmetry of this pod is beautiful, is it not? I mean look at that. There's seven pods, and they're all in the shape of a heart, right? And guess what? Okra is good for heart. the heart. The slime in the okra actually cleans out your arteries and it, it's, I mean, a superfood, it's an you know, Medicinal food, um, on that level, um, it's mildly slimy, the, and the uh, the uh, but nothing like it is when it's cooked. I mean, it's like the slime just gets thicker or something, you know. Um, it's it, there's just a mild slime when you're eating it raw, and it has a really good flavor. And so freeze dried, it's really good just as a snack by itself as well. Um, when it's That's the only yeah. I can. <laughs> so yeah, it's not as slimy when you freeze dry it. But I love how, how God has put that, those designs in there and that, you know, here's a, here's a complete heart remedy, you know, I mean, right there in the okra. And then um, we put it, when we come back from farmer's market with our extra carrots, we'll chop them up and then I'll take the marinade and mix them up with some okra and onions and peppers and, and, and dry that out and make this barbecue uh, little snack um, out of that. That's Nice and healthy and has some, has some decent flavor. Is this one right here? Yeah, yeah, that one right there. Is that what is sure. uh, Carrot hot dog mix. Uh-huh. Yeah, we just called it the carrot hot dog mix. Oh, okay. uh, this was a tomato soup that we made um, for the backpacking trip, and the kids were amazed. You know, they pulled it out, and, the, I mean, the, the, the wafer was just, it's like nothing. You know, it weighs nothing. And, uh, like, it almost felt like a piece of styrofoam, you know, this, this thick piece of styrofoam. I took some peppers, we, we, had, we grew some serrano peppers and some poblano pleb- and a bunch of sweet peppers, some tomatoes, some onion, lemon, salt, and freeze dried it and then I powdered it and made my own tahini. you know, lemon, lime, and chili seasoning. So you can do seasonings, you can do herbs. There's, I mean, the sky's the limit. We're, we're just starting to, to kind of break into what's actually possible with what we can do with it you know, it's therapeutic. You go in there and it's like, sure, it's a lot of work, but you know, make a design while you're doing it. I mean, why not, you know? Make a design, take a picture, um, share that with someone. So, you know, I've, I've had a lot of fun. Oftentimes you feel kind of discouraged, you know, if you're the only one in there working or whatever, but you just kind of, you have fun playing with your food and, and uh, it can be therapeutic. This is our, our hot dog stand in farmer's market. This trailer in the back here is where we have all our produce. And then we did, we've been doing the coconut water wheatgrass bar there at um, our local farmer's market and selling our sauerkraut and kale chips are in those bags there. And then the, the carrot hot dog is, is uh, picking up steam and people are, are really starting to enjoy that. I just want to end with this, this verse here in Isaiah 55 to, you know, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our Lord, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. What a promise, right? Yeah. And really, our, our focus uh, on food and on, on food preservation, I mean, it's just another way to extend that right arm and enter into someone's life in a really powerful way. Food is a very, is a very uh, connecting thing. I mean, we are connecting with our local restaurants, our local market, and these are straight just, you know, people that are out there in the world, very hippie movement there in Moab, Um, and we're gaining those relationships. We're starting to work with that soil so that when the time is right, when the season's right, and the Lord impresses upon us, we can start to share and plant those seeds that will eventually turn hearts towards towards the Lord. Amen? Amen? So I'll just close the word of prayer. Our dear, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for our time together and that we have this opportunity to share with like-minded believers. Lord, just always put before us uh, your plan and, and the goal that you would have for us, which is to share the third angel's message in these last days. So Lord, help us to just integrate that and weave that into every project that we do. And, Lord, we know that you've promised that if we follow you, that um, success will follow. And so, Lord, we're we're asking for that, um, that wisdom that only you can give. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons,